Dr. Mack, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Can you turn uh, your video on? There we go. And then maybe tilt your screen a little better. Very good. Thank you. <clears throat> so I'd like to begin by asking you to state your full name for the record and spell your first and last name for the record. Sure. Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y, Mac, M-A-C-K. <clears throat> and then... Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth today? I do. <clears throat> now, my understanding is you have a Master's of Education in Administration. Yes, that's right. In, um, a BA in, uh, 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 for my undergrad in uh, basically in music education and a Master's of Education in Administration. And you also have an honorary doctorate degree. I do. Now, <clears throat> you've got um, basically a career that is church-related, as I understand it. Primarily, yes, um, uh, um, in a, a variety of capacities, actually. But, uh, yes, primarily interrelated with church and what we would refer to as parachurch um, and... Uh, national media, uh, there are several different elements uh, combined with that, but it uh, relates to uh, what we would refer to as the ecclesia, uh, the community of believers, or, or the church uh, at, uh, at large. Right, in, indeed, and one of your uh, achievements is you spent quite a bit of time developing a Christian school system in Hong Kong, both primary and then secondary. Yes, right. My wife and I both uh, have educational background, uh, background in education administration. Uh, I was asked to go to Hong Kong to basically take over a system that had uh, a number of elementary students, uh, 3,500 elementary students, uh, coalesce that into a, um, into a school system and then to develop and build a, uh, a school for them to progress to that uh, culminated in a school for 1,200 students uh, that was called United Christian College uh, with two other organizations in Hong Kong. And, that okay, now, and we don't need a whole, whole lot of detail there. I'm just trying to establish <laughs> okay. that you are really plugged into the church system, and then I was going to move you to your... You've been living in the Toronto area now, for yes. quite some time, but in, right. instead of being involved in one church, you actually had, prior to COVID, been heavily involved in three churches. Am I right about that? Yes, um, I should expand that a little bit. Uh, I've been involved with the national church scene for a number of years, ever since returning from uh, coming to Toronto from Hong Kong. Um, and that includes includes media. Um, it includes having actually been uh, present in uh, meeting pastors, uh, speaking in uh, over a thousand churches nationwide, literally from uh, from coast to coast. So yes, I have a, a comprehensive view, fairly <clears throat> comprehensive view of the national church scene. I right. do have fairly close connection with three. Uh, churches in the um, in the metropolitan Toronto area, 
they would be described as uh, what we would refer to uh, one of them in particular as a mega church. The other two are large facilities uh, which previously have had uh, full capacity uh, in the range of uh, 1,500, 2,000. The mega church would have a, uh, a weekly attendance of uh, somewhere between oh, four to 5,000. And you are actually friends with yes. the pastors in all three churches and yes. would have what uh, in the Christian world would be known as an elder role for those pastors. Yes, that would be that would be a good description. Um, uh, being able to uh, uh, spend time with these uh, these three individuals on a personal level, uh, being able to share with them their their ministry objectives, uh, uh, being able to provide some counseling, perhaps from time to time, that kind of thing. Okay, so so and these were three churches that were very important to you, and they were important for you and your wife to attend. Exactly. Okay, so now COVID comes along. We're in the year 2020. Can you tell us what happened to churches in Ontario and those three churches in particular? Yes. Um, let's back up just a little bit to begin with. What is a church? A church is a fellowship of believers uh, that come together under common cause. Uh, those causes are generally... Uh, born out of fellowship, it's born out of uh, the desire for teaching and for uh, learning uh, from their scriptural um, uh, backgrounds. Um, also, the desire for spiritual nourishment uh, on the part of interaction with co-worshippers as well as from the, uh, the, uh, the pastoral community. And then uh, as an outgrowth of that, obviously a community outreach uh, into the communities, whether it's community support, providing support systems for the community and so on. So it's, it's historically uh, in Canada, as, as in other countries, has played a significant role in the uh, communities that they have been, uh, that they have uh, you know, been developed in. So um, our personal uh, opportunity here in Canada has been really involved in all of those aspects. Um, and we have seen as a result of the, uh, the um, uh, lockdown uh, that took place, um, a drastic decline in uh, all of those aspects of of fellowship, of well, let, let, to... let, let me just back you up, if I may. So, sure. uh, my understanding is is that at churches in 2020 were shut down for a period of time in Ontario. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, perhaps just a brief. I was going to give you a rather lengthy, but uh, we'll combine this. March the 16th, 2020. Uh, the provincial government closed uh, all of the churches, uh, schools, daycares, recreational facilities, bars, restaurants, etc. The interesting thing there is that uh, they were they allowed big box stores to remain open, uh, facilities like the uh, local liquor liquor board, the LCBO in Ontario, 
um, abortion clinics, uh, a variety of, of special interest groups that were allowed to continue to remain open. But churches were closed in March uh, 16th of 2020. Uh, March the 18th, uh, the federal government closed all the borders uh, with can uh, for Canada. Uh, so that shut down all kinds of, of things. It, it also affected us uh, because our, our children uh, live abroad. Uh, then uh, moving quickly um, in December of, uh, well, there, there were, a, on occasion, they would allow a bit of flexibility. They would allow 10 people to meet in uh, September of 2020. Uh, 10 people to meet in small groups. Obviously, uh, that was ridiculous in terms of, of church attendance. Um, then in November of uh, 2020, this uh, provincial government established a, a five-tiered color system uh, where they would allow certain um, groups to open uh, in, in different uh, capacities uh, based on the color of their zone, Toronto, the, the GTA area was uh, designated a red zone. And so uh, the entire uh, GTA, including the churches I have described, uh, were under the red zone uh, restrictions and in total lockdown. December the 26, 2020, uh, the provincial government again reverted to a complete total lockdown of, of everything. Um, in January of 21, uh, there began to be some resistance to that. Uh, some pastors uh, rebelled, started to uh, allow uh, small group uh, uh, meetings in their churches. A couple of pastors were arrested and fined. Uh, in fact, it has resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines uh, that have uh, been uh, placed on the some a couple of these pastors. Interestingly, in March of se March the seventh, twenty twenty one, so that's almost exactly one year from uh, the beginning of the the church lockdown. The Archbishop of Toronto. Uh, issued a letter to uh, uh, Premier Ford per, uh, personally, and it was published widely, uh, making a strong appeal for the church to uh, be allowed to, to uh, open, uh, especially for the Easter services. Uh, the response to that was that on April the 7th, 2021, uh, Premier Ford and the province uh, issued another complete lockdown, and uh, everything went back to uh, the original, uh, original state. Then, uh, over the next year, they did allow a, a progressive uh, opening. At first, it was 15% of your capacity. Obviously, if you have a 1,500-seat auditorium, a 2,000-seat auditorium, uh, that, that makes no sense at all. Uh, then they allowed only vaxxed people to come in. Uh, at one of these no, points... Can I just stop you? Was that actually a government sure. requirement, or was that just a, a recommendation? The, the uh, it, was a it was a requirement. So an actual government requirement that to go to church, 
in Ontario, yes. you had to be vaccinated. Exactly. Yes. And you had to wear a mask as well. Uh, everyone, and you had to seat, be seated six feet apart uh, in the auditorium. And there was a pew, uh, you had to have a, a vacant pew between each of the uh, occupants as well. Uh, then they began to allow uh, a percentage based on the on your uh, your size of your auditorium, uh, but uh, and they began then to allow vax uh, non-vaxed people to attend, but they had to sit in a secluded section of the auditorium. They could not be in uh, with the general uh, vaxed populace. So, for example, uh, in one of the churches we attend, the, the large 2,000-seat uh, auditorium, uh, we would go for the services. Uh, we are unvaxxed. We made the decision not to be vaccinated for a variety of reasons. We had done extensive research into the mRNA uh, vaccination in particular and uh, made a decision that we would not in this. Subsequently, uh, I mean, earlier we had contracted uh, uh, COVID uh, and uh, got excellent care in our local uh, health facility. Uh, we were hospitalized for uh, two weeks. And um, then uh, as a result of that, even our doctors recommended that we uh, did not have to be vaxxed because of uh, the natural immunity that we had uh, coming out of the uh, the COVID experience. Uh, however, again, back to the church, uh, we would be able to attend, but we would have to sit in a secluded area uh, that was designated for so, non-vaxxed. I, I just want to make clear. So that was one church, but was that a government recommendation that they be segregated or was that a decision of the church? It was a strong recommendation. Uh, whether or not it was actually uh, a written mandate, I'm not sure. But it was strongly recommended by the provincial government. And, and then am I correct that two of the other churches um, <clears throat> excluded non-vaccinated persons yes. for a period of time when it was not a government requirement? Exactly. Yes, that, that is true. Okay. Uh, uh, continue with the progression, uh, April 15th, 2022, 20, uh, uh, Easter services. Uh, this was the first time when uh, the provincial government then did allow uh, churches to open to the general public. Uh, some of the churches still at that point uh, maintained the six foot uh, separation between parishioners and the uh, the vacant uh, pew between the, the, the people within the, within the uh, auditorium. Uh, however, the provincial government did allow for full Easter services to be held uh, April the 15th, 2022. And uh, that was exactly two years and one month from the total lockdown. So in effect, the churches were for all intents and purposes uh, shut down for over two years. Let me just uh, state that uh, this, this was widely broadcast internationally. Uh, we got a lot of international attention in from Canada to the international world as a result of that, to the point, uh, and of course that also included the 
arrest of a number of, of well-known pastors in Canada, uh, the confinement of these pastors, uh, some of them actually in in um, solitary confinement. Now, uh, now Dr. Mack, I, I want to focus you a little bit sure. on, um, uh, you know, off of the history and, and more on your okay, personal let me, experience. Let me just make one statement. Uh, it got to the point where the state of Ohio, uh, which is a, it's a conservative state, but the state of Ohio actually uh, drafted a bill that they took before the state Senate uh, as a result of the, uh, the publicity that came out of the experience of the churches in Canada. And they uh, voted on this petition uh, which was sent to the International Court. As of that petition, which was overwhelmingly voted in the positive uh, by the State Senate of Ohio, Canada is now on the international uh, freedom of religion uh, list as being a country that does not adhere to freedom of religion uh, for their, their Christian community. That is how serious it, it became uh, internationally, uh, the, the expose of everything that was taking place within the church community. So I want to turn now to kind of your personal experience and then your, your thoughts sure. on the effects of others. Um, so for a period of time, two of the, once the churches were allowed to open, but the government was strongly recommending that only vaccinated persons be allowed. Two of the three churches that you had been a vibrant part of basically excluded you and your, your wife. Yes. What well, was the, yes. Uh, the regulations were such that we were not able to attend any of those churches. Right. But it wasn't government regulations because they were allowing they were allowing people back in churches, but they were recommending that only vaccinated people be allowed, right? That's right. Okay. So two of the churches chose to exclude unvaccinated people. That's right. And uh, I'm wondering what, I'm asking you what the effect of that was on you and your wife. Thank you. Um, obviously, it excluded us from the fellowship with fellow believers. Uh, it did not allow us to participate in the normal function of a, of a church community. Uh, we had to revert, as many uh, hundreds of thousands of people did, to uh, receiving our, our uh, inspiration from church services online or on uh, through television. Uh, we uh, subsequently there are many friends that we haven't been in touch with for several years. Uh, as a result of that, we have not, we have felt that we have not been able to contribute to the church community as a result of that. Um, and uh, in, within our own family experience, um, we maintain a, a regular, uh, uh, what would I call it, a worship experience ourselves we have uh, devotions uh, together, but we we obviously miss that ob that uh, opportunity of interaction with the fellow believers, interaction with the with the church communities, the opportunity of of contributing to the church communities, and uh, uh, one of the real uh, 
detriments uh, is the, the, the decline of the church. And uh, this really uh, affects me in particular because I, I know the church well na nationwide. I know the churches in the, uh, in the greater Toronto area very well. And, 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 and what's, many... what's happened to them? Well, um, to be very honest, there are some who have had to close their doors. Uh, and as, uh, there are actually uh, some of the churches have had to sell their buildings because they, they simply could not maintain uh, the expense of, of maintaining their buildings without the, the, the natural flow of income. Uh, the pastors uh, have gone through a, a great turmoil uh, personally and their families. Uh, there are a number of pastors who have uh, that I know of who have left the, the ministry as a result of that because they uh, they felt like they had uh, no longer had the, the opportunity of, of ministry to their people. Attendance has been greatly reduced even since the opening of churches. Uh, entire denominations that I'm in touch with have publicly stated that their attendance is less than 50% of what it was prior to the the lockdowns the national average actually is they are saying that it is between 30 and 35 percent uh in in many of the uh, the denominations across canada now there are uh some very special and unique opportunities that that uh, independent churches in particular have been able to uh, to increase their attendance, and, and uh, we're grateful for that. But by and large, the the average church has lost uh, at least fifty percent of their regular attendance uh, during this uh, lockdown period of time. Some of them as much as reducing it to thirty to thirty five percent. So what do you think the long-term effects are going to be then on, you know, these churches being able to, you know, stay, uh, stay afloat and continue on? Very good question and a difficult one to answer because it depends largely on the leadership within the local church. Uh, it does depend uh, uh, somewhat uh, as well on the leadership of the denominational leadership and uh, the vision that they have maintained. The, the more independent uh, churches uh, seemingly have been able to, uh, many of them have been able to survive this uh, fairly well and uh, are progressing. Uh, whether this is a, a movement away from the traditional church into a more independent church, that is a possibility. Uh, but there's no question that the lockdown had a, 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 a serious deleterious effect on the uh, entire church community across Canada, uh, with, as I said, many churches uh, having to close. Uh, they have suffered financially. Uh, whether or not they are going to be able to recoup that and uh, and move on and and uh, progress from here is is a very very serious question, particularly in the uh, financial climate that we're in, uh, with uh, all of the uh, effects of uh, of the uh, federal uh, regulations and so on. 
people do not have the kind of money that uh, they once had to be able to contribute to charitable organizations. And, and to, I'm just going to cut you a little short because I think you've made the point yeah, that they're sure. they're struggling financially. Um, those are all the questions that I have for you, Dr. Mack, but I'm going to ask the commissioners if they have. I mean, I, I wish I have actually a whole bunch more questions, but we don't have time for them. So sure. I'm just going to ask the commissioners if they have any questions of you. And, and they do, so just sit tight. Sure. Hi. Um, my question is around the church organization. You mentioned a cross-section of three churches. Who exactly made the decision to follow the mandates? Was it the board? Was there uh, the leadership within the church? I'm just wondering whether it's like maybe the minister and the elders. Who decided that when the Ford government said that the, we had to follow these mandates, that we simply had to follow the mandates, that we didn't have a choice? Thank you. Uh, good question. The churches that I'm familiar with, they actually set up a a separate committee commission within the church structure uh, that was designated as those responsible for the response to the COVID lockdown and uh, to uh, make judgment as to whether uh, to uh, whether to open when to open according to the provincial regulations. So it, it did not fall primarily on the pastor themselves in the three churches that, that I am more closely associated with. And again, they are, prior to this, they were very large churches. In fact, all three of them are, are considered to be the largest of their denomination and, and uh, independent churches. All three of them are considered to be the largest churches in Canada. Uh, they the pastors did uh, uh, appoint or select a group who were responsible for making those decisions and and uh, they're the ones who got all of the regulations uh, maintained the the church response to those regulations and uh, followed through with advising the congregation as to what those regulations were and how they would uh, how they would uh, work with them. So just to continue on that thought, was there any point where somebody within the congregation, whether it be the committee or somebody outside of the committee, decided that the mandates were not constitutionally um, accurate, that they were, uh, you know, was there anybody who said, no, I think we're just going to stay open? And how would that appear Mm -hmm. in terms of the congregation? Uh, not in those three churches. There were churches in the in the Toronto area that made that decision. Uh, the province moved in uh, with force and uh, closed those churches down. Uh, there is video of uh, literally uh, police uh, forces moving into those churches during their worship service and uh, shutting down the service and uh, actually manhandling the people uh, out of the congregation, particularly the pastors, and uh, taking them away um, uh, as uh, being arrested. So yes, there were churches that um, uh, there was actually uh, police uh, presence that moved in, 
took charge of the church, shut the church down, and arrested the pastors. So in essence, then, the uh, pastors were considered like criminals in exactly. the performance of their duties. Yes, exactly. In fact, uh, if I may divert just for a moment, uh, one pastor that I have had communication with, actually he and his family came to Canada from a communist-controlled country in order to uh, get away from the, from the dictates of the communist country. He was put in prison, uh, confined in uh, solitary confinement for 40 days. He has publicly stated that the, the, uh, that the treatment that he received at the hands of the uh, police in this situation is worse than what he experienced under communism. Now, that's his personal experience. That um, certainly isn't across the board, but it, it did degenerate to that degree. So then when the mandates changed from being uh, full closure to five in attendance, did the church push back and have five in attendance? Or did they just remain closed, each of these no, churches? The, the three churches remained closed. And did the communication that came from government, was there a response from each of these churches back to government to uh, advocate for their constitutional freedom and right to... Uh, practice religion or their faith in whatever form that looks like? Yeah, that, that's an exceptionally wise and, and astute question. The response to the government, very honestly, has been less than biblical, <laughs> if I may say so. Uh, there has not been. Uh, the only public response that I know of that there has been that was, was made public is the response a year after lockdown by the Archbishop of the Catholic Diocese here in Toronto, who wrote a public letter condemning the, the province's lockdown of the churches and making a personal appeal. The, the Archbishop himself made a personal public appeal to the premier to uh, please open the churches, uh, particularly for the Easter services and uh, to allow uh, people to return to their congregations. As a result, I said, as I indicated, uh, a month later, the response was the uh, province uh, initiated again, a complete lockdown of everything across the board. I have one final question. When it came to the Ford government and the health minister deciding that we were going to cancel Christmas, did the churches respond at that point to the Ford government and say that Christmas should continue? Not officially, no. Uh, I, I, I am not aware of any official response from the church community. Uh, the churches basically went along with the, uh, with the mandate, and uh, that's regrettable, but that is the case. Thank you. Actually, Dr. Mack, I have uh, a question that came up during that questioning. Um, my understanding, and, and where I'm going to go is, is just to ask if you can comment on, you know, basically the effect this would have on Christian believers uh, by just emphasizing some things that are important for them for assembly. But uh, tell me, it, my understanding is this corporate worship is just so essential in the Christian church. So actually... Christians coming together 
being together to worship. Is that a fair statement? That is one of the primary reasons for church. The very name church, ecclesia, uh, indicates a coming together of the community uh, in fellowship and worship and, and uh, being together for uh, for a time of uh, fellowship. I mean, it, that that's that's the term. Uh, not being together is totally contrary to Christian doctrine. It's totally contrary to biblical instruction. It's totally contrary to uh, historic practice. And if I may add, it's totally uh, contrary to the rights and privileges of the Canadian populace as outlined in the right. Charter of Rights but, and but, Freedom. But, but just avoiding the legal thing. So, so it's, it's important for, for Christians to get together and worship. It's important for them to fellowship. It's important Absolutely. for them to pray for each other and actually help each other. Isn't the church, Christian church is meant to be a, a community where basically they love them each other in a way that is, that is, follows Christ's example. That is the primary function of the church. Absolutely. Uh, so, without that fellowship, without that, uh, without that koinonia, without that ability to be able to, uh, to pray together, to worship together, to sing together, to, to hear the word together, to fellowship together, to share their, their burdens, their, their heartaches, their joys, uh, whatever. Uh, so, that is the function of church. Right. So do you have any, that. do you have any insight then to the impact on then those Christians in Ontario? that were not able to participate as a church for largely a two-year period. Yes, uh, it's been devastating. Uh, people, <clears throat> uh, well, have gone through all kinds of experiences. We have friends who have, who have uh, gone into deep depression as a result. They, they have lost their sense of, of community. They've lost their sense of, of being part of a of a uh, of of a meaningful relationship with others, uh, pastors who have uh, who who have literally just given up the, uh, their their life's goal, their their mission in life, as a result of it. But yes, it has had a devastating effect on the entire, and that's reflected in the response since. Uh, the lockdown has been lifted to uh, people going back. Uh, people uh, have just, in many cases, given up on uh, the whole concept of community and being together and uh, have, have drifted on, into other areas of, of, of interest. But uh, no, it's been, it's been devastating uh, on the community at large and uh, on the individuals uh, to to a serious degree uh, in many cases. And I'll, I'll stop you there just because I, we're really short on time, I, unless there's any further council questions. So, <clears throat> Dr. Mack, um, on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, I sincerely thank you for giving us this insight and testifying today and sharing with us um, your thoughts on the effect on the church. Thank you so much, and uh, may I just take a moment to congratulate the National Council on doing this inquiry. 
we applaud you for your efforts and uh, making this uh, a, a national uh, response to this. And thank you for allowing us to, uh, to uh, express our individual personal uh, situations. This, this is very meaningful to us personally, but also to, uh, to everyone nationally. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Dr. Mack.